Well, good morning, church. How we doing? We feeling hype for God's word? That's what I'm talking about. Okay, let's do it. Um, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it with me to the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark chapter one. I want to tell you beforehand that we are going to go uh, a little different direction today. Today is an ABC Connect Sunday, and, and the way that we're going to uh, do these, at least in general, is we'll have three or four of these a year, and we want to take the opportunity that we have on these ABC Connect Sundays and speak directly to the culture of our church. So culture-shifting conversations, discussions, messages uh, we would love to have. Now, when I say that, I do want you to understand this. Every time we open God's Word, and we proclaim God's word. It's an opportunity for culture shifts, okay? So that, that's what we're going to, uh, you'll see that certainly today. But we wanna take a, a particular opportunity to talk about a specific culture shift in regards to how we as a church body view repentance. It's a word that's come up, uh, it's gonna come up two or three times here in Mark chapter one. Uh, we talked about it last week with John the Baptist and then uh, today, in the actual text we're gonna look at, and we'll look at it again in three weeks, but is that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. And so we want to take a look at the word repent. Consider what repentance is. And so if you'll look at your outline, you'll see a title there, Rethinking Repentance. And so I want that to shock you uh, as you look at it and for us to, as a congregation together, consider that beautiful word uh, that given to us by the grace of God. And so today is, I believe, a culture shifting kind of message. I believe it's a pastoral word. I think it can be just a very helpful thing for our church from one of your pastors. It's intended to be a great and a deep encouragement to you in your walk with Jesus. And it's to spur on this church body, ABC, to love and good works to push us into the very heart of God for us and for our city and for the whole world. And so that's, that's what we're going to do today. We believe God's with us. We believe he's for us. He's never against us. We believe he's alive and he's active, that he takes his word and he can open up our eyes to see what may have once been black and white, we can see in beautiful color, where we may have once been chained, he frees us to a life with Jesus. That, that's the kind of thing we're talking about today. And I believe that God is doing such a work in this place that it is, I believe he's changing the culture of our church to be more like the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And today I believe this message will help aid in that very thing. And so look with me once again there, Mark chapter one, we're gonna read the text very slowly. We'll talk about the word repentance. And then I'm gonna give you three pictures, three pictures of repentance that I believe will spur you on in your life. All right, so uh, Pastor Keith, in the next couple weeks, he's gonna walk us through verses nine through verses 13. And so he's gonna look at the baptism of Jesus and the temptations uh, of Christ, the temptation of Christ. And so we're not gonna skip those verses, we're coming back to them. Today though, we're gonna look there in chapter one, 
verse 15. And so this is Jesus. This is after John was arrested. John the Baptist will be arrested. Mark doesn't give us a whole lot of info on that. We're just told that he was arrested. And Jesus came into Galilee. His public ministry is beginning here with a proclamation. And it says that he was proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God. And here was the message. He said, the time is fulfilled. The time is right now. The time is taking place. He says, in the kingdom of God, it's at hand. It's here. It's being ushered in by me. He said, repent and believe in this good news. Let's pray together. Father, help us to understand what repentance looks like in our life. Help us understand the good news of God. Help us embrace Jesus, his good news and his kingdom. We pray these things in Christ's name, our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's talk about the, we're gonna really look at two words, the word kingdom and then the word repentance or repent. And this is a very similar message to what we talked about during our Kingdom of Christ series when we talked about having a changed mind, okay? And so we're gonna reference Romans 12, verse two, uh, several times today, and it's gonna help lead and guide us as well in this conversation. I don't think something of this, uh, this kind of importance is bad to repeat. This is something that we need to be told and told and told that we need to consider not just sometimes, but all the time. It's something that we should have on our mirror when we wake up, the reminder to repent and to believe. And so let's just consider the word repent. When I was asking my children about this, we, we've been quick, let me back up real quick. We have been taking the book of Mark and we broke it up in like 66 different messages, okay? So whether we do all of those or not, we'll, we'll see, only time will tell. But we broke them up in many, many messages and I have been going through them with my family at night. And so when we got to this particular text that the kingdom is here, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe. I asked my kids, I said, what, what does it mean to repent? And I found myself asking people this question a good bit over the last uh, few years. And I've been asking myself, what does it look like to repent? But what I found with my kids, I believe is very similar to what I would find in this room if I ask you to describe it. They said remorse. They talked about sin. They talked about, uh, they talked about you know, being hurt. They talked about turning to Jesus, which is wonderful. Uh, they talked about a lot of different things, but all of them really kind of bore down to in their thinking, it came from turning from something bad to turning from something to turning to something good. Turning from something that would be immoral to something that was moral. Okay. And there is certainly that in our life. And so when we repent, when we turn, when we look to Jesus, certainly for our salvation, when we turn to him, there's stories all across the room of what that has looked like and what it, what it looked like and what it does look like in your life. And so some of you have more of a story of, you know, the prodigal that, that 
that went and was reckless with everything that he had and spent all his stuff and ended up wanting to eat pig food. Some of you have more of that story. Others of you have more of a story that looked more like the older brother that wouldn't go to the party. Okay. So like, you know, we, we have different stories of how God's grace has changed and transformed our soul and how it looked for us to turn to Jesus. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. I think most of us have a negative view of repentance. We have a view of it that is when we're really bad in sin, we need to repent and turn to Jesus, to life. And what I'm gonna tell you is this, is that the word repentance is not something that we just do when we're trying to turn from immoral to moral. It's what we do when we're looking from anything to Jesus. It's repenting and turning and having a changed mind in the greatest of all areas of my life. It's not just in something bad that I was doing and now I do it like Christ. It's in my marriage. It's in my good works. It's in the way that I view uh, my life and ministry and the way of his kingdom. And so I'll help you understand this. So look, look with me, hold your place there in Mark and turn over to the book of Romans real quick. We're gonna go and we're gonna look at something that we, that we did a few months ago. And I think this will really help you. This has been changing my whole life. Romans chapter 12, verse two. This is gonna help us understand what repentance and turning to Jesus and walking in his kingdom looks like, okay? It says, do not be conformed to this world, or yeah, yeah, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and what is perfect. When Paul talks about this, he says, do not be conformed to this world. He's referring to the world system or the course of this world. And so for us to understand what a transformed mind looks like or what repentance looks like, it's gonna be for us to understand the the course of this world that we're on by birth. And then we need to be able to see the course of the kingdom of God that we have been saved to to run on, to be free in. So what I want you to do is understand first uh, what the the course of this world or, or what being conformed to this world looks like. And so hold your place in Romans, don't, don't leave it. And just flip over to the book of Ephesians Chapter two, this is still the apostle Paul writing, but he's going to help us understand more of what the course of this world looks like. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. When he says following the course of this world, it's the same phrase, it's the same thing he's talking about in Romans when he says, do not be conformed to this world. It's a particular course. And here's what's so important for us to see and understand and be reminded of. We are on that course from the womb. You do nothing to get on that course. You're just on it. 
So like if you are extremely actively against the Lord, sure, you're on that course. But if you're extremely passive, you're still on the course. You're on it from the womb. You bust out of the womb on this course. That's what I need you to understand. You do nothing to get on the course. You're there already. So the natural course of this world, you can look extremely reckless in this course. You can be extremely immoral in this course, or you can be as religious as you want to be on this course and still be on the wrong course, be on the course of this world. That's why it's so important for us to understand what the gospel is leading us out of and into. And so when we're talking about the course of this world, we need to understand that we're all on it just by nature. This world, whether we realize it or not, we're following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. It means that we're under his leadership, whether we acknowledge him or not. And it says that of this, that we live in the flesh, we carry out the desires of the body and the mind, and that we are by nature on this course headed for destruction. We're children of wrath. Okay, so point is this, is that there's one course that we're born on. It's the natural course, and we're gonna define it this way. It is the way of the right side up kingdom of this world, okay? You were born in the way of the right side up kingdom of this world, it's right here. But you're born again, and you're invited to a life of transformation and power and grace and goodness in the upside down kingdom of Jesus Christ. What the apostle Paul says is do not be conformed here, but be transformed by your mind, seeing and feeling and acting like this kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. The reason why this is so important is this, is for most of my ministry, I tried to do kingdom things but with this mind. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't think that. But that's where I was. And the more that God has transformed my mind to see and to feel and to act like Christ, I am taken over here and to see the world differently. The word repentance, the word repent means and you could give different things. You'll say, turn to Jesus. You'll tell you all these different things. And it does mean all of those. We can find the context there. The word repent means to change your mind, to change one's mind. And so my friends, that means that we not only need to have a changed mind when it comes to the worst of sin that we can think of, but we need to have a changed mind to the best this life has to offer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is a big deal. This is a work. It's an everyday thing. We need a culture of repentance here. We need people who are consistently willing to submit to God in every area. Not look at some people who need repentance, but look right within to our life and the very best that this life has to offer and see it over here with this kind of kingdom eyes. With that being said, I want to give you three pictures, 
three pictures of repentance that I believe are memorable, helpful, and I believe they can really spur us on to love and good works here, okay? So look at your outline. The first one is this. We need to look and see with gospel glasses, okay? Now, I'm, I am as corny as they come when it comes to outlines, but sometimes corny is helpful, okay? And so what we're doing here is we want to be able to see the world, feel, and act like Christ. We want to not see the world through the values of the right side up kingdom of this world, but see the world through the upside down kingdom values, mindset, through the eyes, through the mind of Christ. Remember church who our head is, it's Jesus. We want to see and think and feel like him. To do that, we're gonna have to have his values in place. And once we see as he does, it radically affects the way we live. See, once we think differently, we'll live differently. We have to put on gospel glasses. C.S. Lewis is my favorite writer still to this day. That's why I named my son Lewis. He said this, he said, I believe in the sun, not only because I see it, but because I see everything else because of it. See, when we're talking about seeing differently, I, I, you'll, you'll hear me, I, I'm gonna stop doing this. I'm gonna start complaining about my eyesight. Okay, Kyle Bryan has called me out several times. He's gonna buy me glasses if I don't, if I don't go to the, uh, he's gonna make me go to the eye doctor. But I kept saying stuff, you know, like I can't see and I really can't see very good at all. But here's the thing, is I need an upgrade in my glasses. I need a prescription change. I need to go to the doctor and I need them to upgrade the way that I see because currently the way that I see is pretty, it's, it's really not very good. It's pretty foggy when I'm trying to read, okay? When we're talking about these gospel glasses, we're not talking about a one size fits all that everybody just needs to put on your glasses and you'll see differently. Put them on today, you'll see differently tomorrow and the rest of your life. We're talking about an every day, all the time, every time we interact with people, every time we have new experiences, every time we grow, every time we hurt, every time we have celebrations and victories in life, every time we change, the gospel must be changing us. It's all the time. And I don't know how to explain or pastor you any differently than that. If I tried to minister or pastor you the way I did 10 years ago, it would be a wreck. It'd be a train wreck. I wish sometimes I could go back to the way it used to feel. The way I used to see the world was so much easier. So much easier. It was a couple of devotions away or a passion conference away from me being good me feeling great, me feeling like I was ready to attack the world with the good news of Jesus. But a decade of walking with and suffering with and seeing and experiencing and doubting and struggling and wrestling, I'll never see the world the same again. The fight that it's been to go from here to hear has been insane. But once you know better, once you see better, you won't live the way you did. Once you know better, you'll live differently. 
What I'm saying to you is this, is Jesus Christ is calling us into a deeper walk with him. Not necessarily deeper studies, not necessarily what you mean when you say we need to go in depth. It means we need a deeper view of what the grace of God and the love of Christ and the kingdom of God looks like when I walk out this door and interact with the next neighbor. We need gospel glasses. It's just a picture. It's to help me think when I wake up in the morning as I reach to grab my glasses off the table, which aren't even any good, I reach and grab them. It's a reminder that today I need to be intentional to see like Christ does and to think like he does. Now, what are are some areas that we can do that? Well, I think we gotta challenge ourselves here. So I'm gonna give you several ways to, to grow in this and to put on your gospel glasses. The first one is very obvious. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. I I say that we're a culture who we can be as connected and know as much about people as probably any culture that's ever lived and yet have no personal walks with people. And so I'm telling you this is we've got to spend time with God. We looked at it in James. We draw near to God. He does what? He draws near to us. He's present, he's with us, he's for us. There's not a Christian in the room that you don't have the Holy Spirit of God present in you. Let's spend time with the the God of the Bible. Spend time in his word. I cannot say this enough. Every single person in this room, spend time in the word of God. Spend time soaking it up, reading. Have a notebook just chock full of your best questions you got. And before you ask me or somebody else, ask him. Spend time not in the generalities of all the earth. Spend time in the specifics of your life. God invites us into this. He invites us into a relationship where it's not a one size fits all. It's a gospel that, man, it crosses every cultural boundary. It enters into every conversation, relationship, city, place, area that we could ever go. God is at work and he calls us to join him there. But we need to be able to see him and recognize him and his work and his kingdom. Know God's word. I hope you enjoy so much walking through Mark this year. I think it's gonna be a blast. I think it's gonna help us. I think it's gonna help us put on our gospel glasses. But you personally walk with God through his word. Know it and study it. You don't have to read a certain amount. You don't have to get a certain amount of chapters in a day. Man, just walk with God. He walks with you. Also, I think this, what, what can just help us put on gospel glasses is read good books. I had somebody tell me the other day, they, they told me, I don't, I don't think we should spend time reading books. We just need to read the Bible. That's it. I completely disagree. If you, if you want to just read the Bible, that's fine. I'll encourage you all day in that. But listen, one of the greatest things we can do is not have an insular view of God's word. Don't just have what you think and what you read, what you know. Learn from the community of faith. Not only the community here, but the community at large, the capital C church has people that love God and write about God, who love God's word and write about God's word, learn and grow. It'll help you see differently. 
And man, your experiences and relationships with one another. We say, we, we say this phrase, we say we want you to be known and loved. But I mean, really, we do. We want you to be known and loved. We want this to be a place where you don't just come and sit on a row, but that you really do have friends here. You have people that invest in your life and you invest in others. That the experiences and the lives that other people live are having to intersect with the word that we believe. That causes tension. Do you know that? Like, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be crazy. I'm, listen, listen to me. Living out God's word in the actual world that we live in causes tension. Embrace it. Find him there. Meet him there. That might be the very place that we don't need to try to get away from, but the very thing we need to dive into. But do it together. Do it with him. Present with God and with his people. That'll help us see the world differently. We'll see different. We'll see God differently. We'll see ourselves differently. We'll see others differently and the world differently. One of, one of my favorite quotes is this. It's, it's from Barbara Brown Taylor. She said this. She said, the problem is many of the people in need of saving are in our churches. And at least part of what they need saving from is the idea that God sees the world the same way they do. We need to be able to see biblically before we go to the next thing, I, I, I want to tell you, this is going to mess. Some of you are going to cringe when I say this, but I have a mentor right now who I, I just love. And, uh, and he, he is, I won't even say his name right now because it'll embarrass him on the line, but he is an interesting guy, okay? And uh, he has this like old, like, I don't even know what it was, but like a, he has a Bible that sits on his desk, and it's a Bible that he took like a drill bit or something. I don't know what he did. And he drilled like a hole in it. Okay, and here's the, here's the point. You walk into his office and it doesn't matter who it is, like he's gonna do this. He'll hold it up and just look at you through it. Okay, like he, it's like, he's kind of like Yoda. Okay, it's like, it's like little Christian Yoda. So he comes up and he's like, holds the Bible. He's looking at you with his eyes through it. And he's like, we need to see the world through this. It's like, whoa, man, what are you doing? But the other day, listen to me, listen. He, he looks at me through it. And he said, you need to be able to see God through this. See yourself through this. See your neighbor through this. See everything through this. See justice through this. See kindness and mercy through this. See salvation, see heaven. See image bearing through this. Not just through whatever you thought growing up. See it through this. Put on your gospel glasses. Part of repentance and having a changed mind is certainly this. It's, it's putting away what we used to see over here, the right side up kingdom of this world. And it's learning to put on a biblical view, a kingdom view of God, ourselves, others in the world. That's repentance. Secondly, another picture, maybe this one will, will help you, is we need our gospel flat man. I'm telling y'all are like, this is such a Colby message. Okay. So I gave you this example actually a year or two ago, but we've grown since then, praise God, okay, with our kids. And so I, I, I told you we need to put on gospel clothes. That was, that was the phrase that I used the last time. 
But here's what we do in the mornings. We have gotten in such a rhythm that we have had no tardies this year, I don't think. Ms. Hammonds, if she's here, she may, maybe we have. Maybe our kids have been late and they just haven't told me. But I think we've had no tardies. Last year, we were like on the fence for a really long time, okay? It was like, you got one more chance, okay? That, uh, or your kids and you go to ISI, okay? That's, that's how it was. If my kids go to ISS for, or whatever it is, in-school suspension for tardies, I better go with them, okay? So that, that's kind of how, how it is. But, but here's, here's the thing. We've gotten in a rhythm, and part of that rhythm is this, is that every night before they go to bed, they have to lay out their flat man. And so that's just their clothes for the next day. And so they lay them out, you know, I always wonder what these chairs are for. You know what I'm saying? But this is what it's for right here. Okay. They have to lay out their flat man. So they put their shirt, they put their pants, they put their shoes, they do all that stuff. They lay it out. So that when they get up, all they have to do is, is put it on. With that in mind, I believe that the word of God leads us as part of what repentance looks like, as part of uh, a changed mind, what it looks like is putting on our gospel flat man. If you read the New Testament, you'll find in several places. In Ephesians chapter four is a, is a main one. Uh, Romans chapter 13 is one that, that we have this phrase. And you find it in Colossians as well. But where we take off the old and we do what? We put on the new. We, we take off what we used to wear over here in the right side up kingdom of this world. Even the best of that life. And we put on what's new about us, what's true about others, what's beautiful about this world, what's broken about everything we see. We put it on. We put on a new kind of attitude. We put on grace. We put on patience. We put on mercy. And in that, God is transforming in us as we're putting on these clothes, a new kind of person a new life. He's transforming us more into the image of Jesus. Put on your gospel flat man. To do that, what do you have to do? You have to know what to put on. Read his word, watch Christ's life. And transform. The spirit is in us, transforming us more into the image of Jesus, putting to death the deeds of the flesh and helping us look, think, feel, and act like Christ. Be intentional to change and to put on. This is something you do not every now and then. It's not you do on ABC Connect Sundays or you do this. You do it every single day. It's an all the time thing. It's growing not only in your knowledge of God's word, but wisdom and how to live it out not only in your day-to-day -day life, but in each relationship you encounter. So put on gospel glasses, lay out your gospel flat man. And the last thing is this, I want you to consider the worldwide neighborhood. This may be the thing that's changed the way that I encounter each day in ministry and life, maybe more than any other picture I could give you. And so I thought it would be helpful. But when we're called by God on mission, when, when he raises us up and he sends us out and he calls us to the great commission and to live out the great commandment, this is a great picture for you to have. See, when we repent, we don't only repent of sin, we also repent of the way we view missions and the way we think about disciple making 
and the way that we proclaim the gospel and the way that we love others and the way that we think and the things that we do. And when I think about this picture of the worldwide neighborhood, it helps me so much. See, in the Great Commission, we're called to go and as you go, make disciples of all nations. Disciples of Christ, teach them what it looks like to follow Christ, to look like Christ. But we're also to teach them according to all that we had observed from Jesus, all that he commanded us. And then he told us he would be with us. And I think it's so important for us to ask the question, what is the thing, what do we observe from Jesus and what did he command of us? What does he command in our lives? And what you'll notice is it boils down so easily into two phrases, to love God with all of your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, this is how you'll be known as my disciples, by the way you love each other. He said, love one another just as I have loved you. And he said, that was his commandment. You wanna know my commandment? My commandment is love one another just as I've loved you, John 15. Jesus desires his people to love others as he has loved us. This picture of the worldwide neighborhood goes like this. When I wake up in my bed, before I reach over to get my glasses, I've got usually at least two neighbors there. <laughs> I better clarify quickly for those that don't know me. <laughs> I've got my sweet wife. And typically I've got at least one of my four kids that has climbed in the bed. I've got one that's two years old. He's a really adorable little neighbor who smells like he hasn't taken a bath in several days, pretty much every time he plays so hard and right after he bathes, he stinks again. That's just how, that's how sweet Lewis is. His little head, always a little stinky, okay? But he, he just puts that little head right up to my, uh, my chin, usually in the bed. And the, the first opportunity I have to love a neighbor is that sweet little two-year-old neighbor that I would give anything for in my whole life. I get to serve him. There's usually a neighbor waiting on me in the den watching a show. Uh, by the time I get up yesterday, my neighbor, Annie Ruth, woke up at 4.50 and I was already watching animal surgeries when I got up. So uh, I, I walked in, it's like nothing, nothing like drinking your coffee to an opened animal. Okay. That's what, you know, but, uh, but walked in and, and there's, there's, you know, dad, can I get some cereal? Dad, can I get this? Dad, can we snuggle? Dad, can we do this? I have another opportunity to love my neighbor. She happens to be my daughter. I walk out and I, I, I drive down the road, possibly will encounter uh, neighbors on the road, but usually get here and I have neighbors that I adore on this staff, neighbors that walk in as people from this church, neighbors that walk in from uh, the neighborhood uh, and the surrounding areas, neighbors to encounter. And every single neighbor, every single neighbor that we encounter in the day is a neighbor to be loved by God to love as God has loved us. What if we viewed the world less as compartmentalized areas and more like one big neighborhood, one worldwide neighborhood where there is nowhere that there's a neighbor that shouldn't be loved. 
That should change the way we view. God is able to do that very thing. He loves, we say he loves everyone that he sees and he knows and he loves. And he calls us his people to follow him into that world. And so here's what I wanna tell you. I wanna end this way. Listen, with two, two reminders on this neighborhood because we could talk about this for so long. But two things. I wanna encourage you, church. I'm talking to myself in this. But as we walk out of this place, as we sit here in this room, as we go and eat good food downstairs, woo, uh, as we do that, listen, expect to see the grace of God. When you wake up in the morning, expect to see and encounter God's grace. Expect it in the neighborhood. If you wanna know what a changed mind looks like, it means to start thinking this way. Expect to see the God of grace at work in this world. Look for it, find him. See where he's working and join him. Expect to see God's grace in any person in your life. There's not a person in this room that you will not find God's grace in some way in their life. If you got people in this room that you think you just have this big chasm of differences, maybe what y'all think on Facebook doesn't match up or whatever, like, like you got these differences, these divides, these things. Let me tell you what'll connect you real quick. The grace of Jesus. And I don't mean that in some just general way. I mean the grace of God working in people's lives where none of us are where we will finally be. We are today, we're not yet who we will finally become, but man, we are who we are by his grace. Become a listener, become a learner. Find somebody you think you would disagree on everything with in this whole world and become friends and expect to find God's grace in their life. Go to a place that you think God's grace doesn't exist and see if he's not at work. There is one thing I would tell each of you, listen, I believe that one of the things that we miss most is we have such a small proximity or such a, sorry, our proximity to the poor. I believe that if you would intentionally align yourself and engage yourself and build relationships with the hurting and build your relationships with the poor, God will radically affect the way you think and see. For so many Christians, the proximity to the poor is way too far. The gospel of Jesus has always been and will always be a message that's particularly encouraging to the poor, the vulnerable, and the oppressed. And it's amazing how little space there is in most of our lives and churches for them. May God expand the way we view. May we expect grace. Expect to see him at work and join him there. Second thing, don't just expect to see grace, but listen, learn in every area of your life to extend it. Extend it to each neighbor. The Christian life is more complicated than this, but it's certainly not less than this. To extend grace to each neighbor as it's been extended to you. Learn to see and value people the way God sees and values you. The Lord's going to use this church 
to radically change the world. But listen to me. The Lord's also using so many things around us to radically change us. See where he is and where he's working. And let's join him. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for just the reminders of today. I I pray, Lord, that they've been helpful. Lord, they can help us see how to better align ourselves with the kingdom of Christ and with our King. Lord, help us live and think not in the values of the right side of kingdom of this world, but help us to live and to think with the values of the upside down kingdom of Christ. Help us have a changed mind. Have repentance look like we've turned from our old values to the new ones. And that the world is life-giving and full of joy. Lord, help us to embrace the call that you have, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We're all in different places today. Holy Spirit, lead us all. Meet us where we are and lead us where we're going. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your kindness. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, our King. Amen.